I think what I've learned from the last two years really is you've got to make the move into the market when you can borrow money. Certainly, I know people who were capable of borrowing money when the pandemic hit and decided not to. Lo and behold, that decision cost those people a life-changing amount of money. Sitting on the fence is not a great thing to do. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, another code cracker. We're going to dig into the Reserve Bank's move on interest rates, just a quarter of a percent this month. What does that mean for you as a property investor? Welcome aboard. If it's your first time tuning into the show, make sure you play the show in double speed, get your life back. And of course, all the episodes I've done are actually lessons on real estate. So feel free to go back in time and check out some past shows I've done. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm extremely busy inside the real estate market. I've got a lot going on at the moment. Tell you what, I'm doing a renovation. That is not fun whatsoever. Don't recommend it. I'm actually also furnishing one of my properties to turn it into a short stay property investment. Yes, I was just down at Freedom Furniture looking at furniture. Again, keeping me really busy inside the real estate market. What was really cool is you can hire a interior designer for 150 bucks from Freedom. So tell you what, I'm not going to design the furniture. I'm going to get someone who knows what they're doing. But I love the idea of turning investments into little cash cows. I think it's a great way to get ahead. Of course, I teach a few principles on this podcast. Uh, uh, one of those principles is to consider at least one property in your investment where you can accelerate the cash flow and create a little cash cow. So I'm doing a little cash cow at the moment. It's keeping me busy. Got all sorts of things I'm involved with at the moment in the real estate market. I've got two deals to settle that I've uh, bought about a year and a half ago. And I've got three joint venture armchair developments, which I'm working on. So I don't know about you, but I'm crazy busy. And of course, I even just went to a NIMBY event. Yes, uh, the other night I decided I was going to go check out what was going on with a community. I own some real estate in a very NIMBY community. And I tell you what, aren't NIMBYs the most boring bunch of people you've ever met? But I do love that they care so much about their community that they're willing to chain themselves to trees. There is no development happening inside that real estate market where I've chosen that property. I can assure you of that. Rich people love being rich and I always teach this to a lot of my clients. Uh, if you want to keep property really simple when it comes to investing, just go where the NIMBYs are because you'll never not have too much stock impacting the marketplace because 
Again, NIMBYs, they tend to be rich. Rich people love being rich and they make sure that supply isn't coming to their neighbourhood. The meeting was boring as batshit, but I tell you, these people, wow, I'm in awe of the NIMBY world. The other big news, the Gospodar has gone to Europe. Yes, how fantastic is that? If you're not familiar with the Gospodar, he's my neighbour. We don't get on so well. Uh, he leaf blows basically daily and looks after his lawn every other day, which makes no sense. Who needs a lawn that manicured? I have to live next door, of course, to this leaf blowing and lawn mowing, but he's disappeared. Yes, he's gone to Europe and uh, it's kind of amazing. It's like the peace accord right now. Uh, it's kind of like he's Russia, I'm the Ukraine or vice versa and We've decided to call all things off. So life is good on the home front. So I'm busy. Properties are an awesome game. And I would encourage everyone to get involved in the real estate marketplace. But of course, right now, we are going through a period of time where money is costing more. And of course, for a lot of property investors, they are now on the fence when it comes to what to do next because quite often we just don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. And of course, when you don't understand something, the idea of doing something is certainly very, very scary for many people. I think what I've learned from the last two years really is you've got to make the move into the market when you can borrow money. Certainly, I know people who were capable of borrowing money when the pandemic hit and decided not to. Lo and behold, that decision cost those people a life-changing amount of money. Sitting on the fence is not a great thing to do. Now, one of the things we just saw from the Reserve Bank of Australia was the movement on interest rates at a quarter of a percent. This is really, really interesting. This is a signal to the market that the economy is finding some balance. Now, you're probably across that we've had half a percent rate rises for a few months now, and they've been, of course, uh, a big jump from where we started the money cycle transformation. Of course, we were at a tenth of 1% during the pandemic. And today, now the cash rate is 2.85%. So have we reached the top of the cycle? What does that mean for us as property investors? Where does it go next? Are interest rates going to go up? Well, I don't think... uh, Too many people can answer that question with confidence. You'll ask uh, 20 or 30 different economists and they'll all give you a different answer. But what we can determine from the Reserve Bank is a quarter percent is an interesting number to put up the cash rate by because effectively they've halved their movement on money, i.e. the phase before that, they were putting the money up by half a percent. Now they're at a quarter percent. So we're starting to see signals that potentially Australia's Reserve Bank is where it wants to be, 
albeit I do think potentially there is one or two more quarter percent movements to still come. Now, what's interesting, we have the four horsemen when it comes to economics. I've taught you guys this before, right? We've got one of the horsemen being the big banks here in Australia, the big four, second horseman, or one of the horsemen is APRA, the regulator, third horseman, the government of the day, state, federal, the fourth horseman is the Reserve Bank. Here in Australia, fortunately, it does seem that everyone's on the same page. That can't be said of some economies overseas. Certainly, the United Kingdom, where their horsemen are at work, you've got the government, the federal government, um, certainly doing things which are completely out of sync with the Central Bank of the United Kingdom. So over there, you just saw the new elected government or the new, um, I guess, government in charge. They they uh, have been elected, but um, obviously Boris Johnson got booted out. There's a new prime, uh, prime minister. They, in their mini budget, just gave a huge tax cut to a proportion of society. And what that has done is create unease because what is going on with reserve banks around the world, they're trying to slow down the velocity of money. To slow down the velocity of money, you put up the cost of money and less money fundamentally changes hands. And of course, that cools demand, it cools supply and creates a little bit of imbalance so that things don't cost so much. And inflation is obviously just the idea that things cost more. And so if you can just calm down that inflation is a thing, you can go back to a more balanced place. Certainly what it seems in the United Kingdom, they're in for a recession. Yes, the R word. Australians hate the word recession. Uh, there is a reason for that, and I'll explain that in a sec. But certainly inside the United Kingdom, the Reserve Bank is putting up rates and they did not need basically people in society to get tax relief because what that does is, well, it gives people more money in their back pocket and generally when people have more money in their back pocket, they spend and spending obviously is a measurement of how things get, uh, how how supply and demand works, right? So interesting in England, yeah, or the United Kingdom, it's, yeah, it's definitely, I think, going into a recession. I think America will probably go into a recession as well. You know, I took, I kind of, uh, you know, call the inflation in America TikTok inflation, You've got a lot of people spending way too much money inside of America and it, it really isn't being spent on household uh, houses. Uh, it's being spent on really retail and you've just got a lot of people who have a huge amount of money off the back of stimmies that are just spending out of control at the moment. So I think to eradicate that behavior and lower inflation, the federal 
Reserve of America will happily put up rates to the point that it breaks the economy and puts it into a more recessive place. Many countries are very used to recessions. Every three, four, five years, there's basically a recession. And so quite often inside those countries, people don't necessarily fear them as much of a, as Australians do. Australians broke the world record for not having a recession. And, uh, you know, if Guinness Book of Records had a uh, record for a country not having a recession, it would Australia would be the Guinness Book of Record holder. Like we are the gold medalist for not having recessions. And in some respects, what it's done is really maybe create this kind of almost like unfounded fear around what a recession actually is. And, you know, we have to go back truly to the 90s when Australia actually had a proper fair income recession where, you know, in 1991, the unemployment rate was over 10%, right? Like that and then was far different to where we find ourselves today. So a recession is just two economic quarters in a row where growth fails to occur. And for many countries, when things are happening too fast and there's too much activity, you need to put the economy into recession to basically reverse that trend. It's like pulling the handbrake on a car, you know, traveling, you know, 80 kilometers an hour, you, you've got to rip the handbrake. And for many central banks around the world, they're doing a handbrake on their uh, economy to their citizens. And what that will do is certainly push up the unemployment rate. It will steady inflation or bring it down. It will uh, help the economy not necessarily accelerate into things like hyperinflation, which nobody wants. So recessions can be good because the polar opposite to a recession is uh, hyperinflation. And, and of course, when things go into a accelerated place when it comes to what things cost, it's not a good place for everyone to be. Australia's quarter of a percent raise on the rates this month really does indicate that Australia potentially does not want to go down the same road as other countries are looking like they're headed towards. Uh, I think the signal sort of says we're happy with what things look like right now. The balance is being restored. And when we look at what that looks like, we can see that certainly what drives inflation is starting to steady. So obviously, uh, international affairs drive inflation, you know, what's going on around the world. And, you know, again, like every country goes through this stuff differently. And Australia is certainly different to New Zealand, the USA, England, the United, uh, uh, sorry, the EU. But uh, when we look at, you know, are things finding balance, are things uh, starting to, um, you know, get away from us? You know, we can we can analyse, for example, GDP. Uh, Australia's GDP grew. It did not decline. 
Uh, unemployment sitting at around three and a half percent, which is really a an amazing achievement. So what it's telling us is the economy is very, very good. However, probably what will happen next is unemployment will start to to rise as migra- migration starts to uh, happen inside of Australia, which is not a bad thing because, again, if there's too much wage growth, you will get higher interest rates. Uh, commodity prices are pretty fair at the moment. The Australian dollar is a bit down and... Um, you know, certainly from a few conversations around the spike in inflation. Here in Australia, the underlying annual inflation rate now is 4.9%. Um, that's real inflation, not headline inflation. And if you can imagine, if you wanted to go back, for example, to 2011, the inflation rate was around 2.7%. Australians like inflation around 3 2 or 3%. What inflation actually means, and this is a really critical lesson for you as a property investor, it means you need your wealth to improve year on year by at least 3% in Australia. Um, if you're not capable of doing that, you fall behind. And right now, the headline uh, inflation rate is over 6%. The underlying annual inflation is 4.9%. Really, inflation has been led to a large degree from the stimulus boom that we just went through. Um, A lot of money was thrown at, in particular, the property market by virtue of construction. A lot of stimulus to uh, come into the property market. And the reason being, of course, the property market is the big rock of the economy. The property market creates spin-off jobs. You know, I was just at Freedom buying furniture, right? Like it's a spin-off of the property market. Um, There's so many jobs that spin off real estate and something like 60% of all jobs in Australia in one way, shape or form are connected to real estate. Think about electricians, plumbers, uh, gardeners, you know, all connected to to households around Australia by virtue of the real estate market. So when the pandemic hit, Australia spent a lot of money on the property market, giving people um, stimulus. And today you drive around Australia, it's, it's a renovation boom. Every single house around uh, the traps seemingly has a tradie at it, basically, upgrading the home and of course a lot of that has to do with there really is nowhere to go now when it comes to being a homeowner there's less opportunities now to upgrade and of course that in itself means people need to fix their own homes up so a lot of the inflation really has been led by two dynamics in Australia one the cost of oil and two the uh, household cost around housing, um, the spike on really the stimulus of what that did. So today your underlying annual inflation rate is, let's call it 5%. So if your wealth is not improving by 5%, you're falling behind.
That that's that's basically what's happening. So don't underestimate that you need to be invested, not uninvested. Because if we look at, by way of example, the wage growth in Australia, it's not necessarily skyrocketing. And and that's interesting because the borders are shut. There's no there's something like 500,000 jobs out there at the moment that need to be filled. And the wage growth rate is at 2.6%. So, you know, you're not getting a massive acceleration in wage growth despite, obviously, there being lots of jobs out there. Now, this isn't such a bad thing because when you look at countries where wages are booming at the moment, the correlating effect on interest rates and the way the reserve banks in those countries are going to deal with that is going to be, by the looks of it, a recession. Here in Australia, again, we've got growth happening, which is moderate levels of growth in wages at around 2.6%. But again, if you go back to what that actually looks like as a thing, remember the underlying annual inflation is 4.9%. So what does that actually mean? Well, it means that Most people are going backwards by 2.3% here in Australia. Wages aren't keeping up with the inflation and so forth. So unless you're making 5%, you're going backwards. That's that's basically what's happening. Um, And if you allow that to compound for the next few years, so let's call that the next five years at 5% um, annualized inflation, and you're only getting a 2.6% wage increase, then you're losing for the, you know, year on year on year, and then all of a sudden you wake up, and wow, you're, you're, you're behind the eight ball, right? So this is a moment, like, we have to be really, really alert here. You don't want to fall into the trap that you're not invested Because, again, like your job as a person inside of society is to go and make 5%. How are you going to go and do that? How That is the question you need to ask yourself. Can you do that from your wage? Can you do that from your wage and real estate? Can you do that from your wage, real estate, short stay, Airbnb? Can you do that? How are you going to do that? How are you going to make that money? And this is your job. You've got to keep up with the cost of living. So for a lot of people in society, they're they're cooked. They're not going to make it. They're just going to wake up in five years from now, come out of a rock when it comes to what has happened and realized they are so far behind the eight ball. Maybe they made a decision not to play the game of real estate. Now, it's interesting watching the real estate market. You know, there's a lot of parallels to what happened in sort of 2017, 18, 19. Um, you know, back then, obviously, one of the horsemen, APRA, was at work doing a debt reduction program for people with property loans. 
Um, of course, that was successful. But what it did was you saw a drop in real estate values during that period of time. Now, interesting enough that, you know, if you sort of bought in, I don't know, 2016 and you held real estate till June 2020, you probably wouldn't have made any money. You may even have lost money. And of course, a lot of people, um, you know, during that period, that four-year period, four-and-a-half-year period, bought real estate and sold it and got out of a perfectly good asset for no particular reason other than fear. When you analyze then what happened in August 2020, if you were in the market then, by December 2020, you had seen across broad level markets a huge spike in values. So what a lot of people did when they bought during the APRA period or just before the APRA period where one of the horsemen basically drove the market backwards, um, you know, people were buying when real estate was going down in value by 5%. Some people got off and was like, oh, I'm going to lose everything. Other people bought during that time on paper, lost 5%. But if you're a buy and hold property investor, you don't ever take a loss. It's a really, really important piece of information here. You don't, who takes a loss? No one, no one goes to the back bank and refinances a loss. However, we take the gain. And so what's so interesting, if you miss that first quarter of 2020, um, where the growth happened, which was August 2020 to sort of December 2020, you, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. The gain was like 20%. It happened in a heartbeat. We saw million-dollar properties become worth $1.3 million in 60 days. Uh, those properties prior to being $1 million went down to nine fifty during the, you know, the APRA Royal Commission component of downturn. So people were like, oh, I've lost 50 grand. Um, then they got off. Um, if you get off a roller coaster halfway through, you're going to get absolutely run over. You're going to get burnt. What then happened for those people that held their nerve during a downturn, when it popped, that first 90 days was incredible amount of growth. You need to be invested. And in real estate, we often call that 90-day theory, the idea that with a property boom, it happens so quick. If you're not in the market, it's so hard to pat, uh, play catch-up to create an optimal level of capital growth. So, of course, a lot of investors then go into FOMO. They've missed out on the first section of the market, so they accelerate their buying pattern to jump into the second section of the market. Many do make money by buying in the second section of the market, i.e. the second section of the property boom, but miss the first section. And that's because they are fearful of downturns. When you buy in a downturn, you do not refinance in a downturn. You refinance or you recycle equity or your gains if that's your 
uh, playbook to build a portfolio in the upswing. So it's very common for a lot of property investors to buy in a downturn and not make it out of the downturn because they're scared. Of course, for the best property investors, they make most of their money by obviously buying where when market conditions are weaker. But be under no illusion, your job is to make about 5% per annum right now to basically break even. And uh, how are you going to do that? I don't know. I know how I'm doing it. I'm doing it through buying real estate. I'm doing it through adding value through my rents. I'm doing it through short stay in the rental market. I'm doing it through joint ventures, which return 15 to 25%. That's how I'm doing it. Um, I haven't even looked at my wage. Maybe I should put my wage up. I don't know. I haven't given myself a 2.6% wage increase. I don't even care about that part because I'm out in the real estate market making money. So that's your job. You got to go do it. Um, headline inflation in Australia, 6.1% pales into insignificance compared to some of the other places around the world, European Union, 9.1%. Obviously, a lot of headline inflation there is driven out of their uh, war with Russia. It's a, obviously, you know, very volatile situation in Europe at the moment. Always blows my mind that you go to war with a country where you get your energy from. Doesn't seem like a smart idea, but hey, I'm not European. USA, again, TikTok inflation, I don't know what's going on over there. There's like, their house price isn't cooked inside America. They they certainly um, don't have a house price issue inside of the United States. They just really, I think what's happened there, a lot of people are just, yeah, becoming fat, lazy lions, I think, when it comes to how they approach economics and really a lot of spending going on, which the, the, the Reserve of America will go, well, okay, well, let's just slow down spending and pull the handbrake. The Americans are pretty used to recessions. They sort of have one every five years. Again, recession's a dirty word in Australia. You say the word recession, people, like, like if I shouted out recession out in the street, people will be like hiding under their cars. But it's just a formula to slow things down. That's, I think, um, what we need to understand. And uh, certainly in, Amer- in the United Kingdom, you know, inflation or headline inflation, 9.9%. I mean, that, like, though the, the Reserve Bank of or Central Bank of the United Kingdom needs to pull the handbrake break up. And obviously the, the budget that was just put out by the government was doing the opposite. So you've got two horsemen doing the opposite, basically, things inside the United Kingdom. You've got the government, which is a horseman, giving people more money. You've got uh, the Reserve Bank going, whoa, we need to slow this thing down. So it'll be interesting over there. Um, No doubt you're going to hear this stuff on the news. And the reason I want to give you a talk about it and prep you is to not panic because Australia is a different country to the European Union, America, and of course, the United Kingdom. And it's very common for us uh, here in Australia to watch other countries be recessive and for us to be the lucky country. What's interesting though, at the moment, 
still very, very high is our retail figures when it comes to people shopping. Um, I don't know. I was just at the mall this morning, bought myself a new pair of pants. Great pants. Uh, mall was packed. So one, I think, red flag is that some of the lag uh, costs of money being put up hasn't certainly reached households at this point because that takes about three months for interest rates to go up before the cost is passed on to the borrower through basically adjustments to their home loan. So, you know, we've spent a lot of money uh, in July, August, when it comes to retail sales. And uh, if you go back to when the last sort of horseman was meddling with the market back in 2019, retail sales were, you know, some 20% lower than what they are today. So retail sales, just a, I guess, a formula of confidence, you know, people out there buying things and they certainly still are. So yeah, obviously oil, the cost of crude fell off a cliff from its February high of 123 US a barrel. Uh, We were down to 80 a barrel, which was amazing. And then the oil cartel got together and has decided to not supply as many barrels to the market as they have been. And of course, this has pushed the cost of oil back up. Um, Today, when I'm recording, looks like it's about $91 US. Still a lot cheaper, though, than what it was when it was really accelerating inflation at $123. One to watch because obviously Australia is the world's biggest quarry, but we do not have our own oil supplies in any uh, great bulk. And of course, we have to go and buy that. And uh, that's where our dollar at the moment is a little bit weaker. And certainly, I think, uh, you know, probably the oil conversation, what it may do to the economy um, is something to watch. If there were to be more interest rate movements, I'm guessing probably two more maximum at a quarter of a percent. So I think we're starting to see where the end of the money cycle is going to hit. And of course, this is creating a lot of confidence now in some of the money markets. Still the lucky country though, we have not dipped backwards when it comes to our GDP. Um, New Zealand, for example, has had an economic quarter of decline in growth. The USA as well, an economic quarter of decline in growth. The United Kingdom, an economic decline when it comes to the output of the country, the the, uh, result of Yeah, obviously what's going on in those countries. And of course, the European Union is a bit of a break-even point. Australia, close to 1% GDP growth, which is a good uh, result. And so if we were to have a recession, we've got to actually have two quarters in a row where there is a recession. So now we can see for the next six months, um, yeah, like there is no recession. So we just posted a quarterly profit. Next six months, uh, you need obviously two in a row before that would happen. With Christmas coming 
And obviously what that does for retail spending, I don't see that will run into another economic quarter where things go down. So things are looking pretty good actually out there when it comes to maybe keeping interest rates at a at a level where things are okay, manageable. And I think they are manageable at the moment. And again, for anyone sort of fence-sitting, you've got to weigh up, well, if the reserve are open about basically pushing the envelope when it comes to interest rates, then reversing one interest rate decision when they feel the handbrake's been pulled without knocking the economy into a recession, then you need to be on your game because, again, as soon as the next interest rate actually goes down, I would say it's game on for the real estate market. And if, again, 90-day theory, if you're not invested, you're probably going to miss that uh, rebound slash uplift of growth. Do I see it being another property boom? No, not at all. But I certainly think we will see rebound and moderate levels of growth once that unfolds. Certainly when it comes to what is being built now, obviously these renovations and uh, you know new builds and things like that, which were stimmied out of the pandemic, you know things are starting to calm down a bit, albeit there is still a fair bit of work out there to finish off. And so we are starting to see some good signals. One signal which is not good if you're a renter is rents. They are skyrocketing in value at the moment. And this is obviously a result of there being a lack of real estate in the marketplace. You know, in July 2020, the average rent across Australia was $440 a week. Now it's $530 a week. Um, That is potentially going to go even higher. So for property investors, they are getting paid to certainly deal with interest rates as they unfold. When it comes to home buyers with no return, obviously you've got to break that section down into three quadrants. Most of the market actually at the moment, around 30% of it owns the home outright. So interest rates are going up is a benefit to them because that usually means they have money in the bank and they're getting paid more for it. Obviously, there are people who started home loans 15 years ago and bought money at a different period of time and have paid off a substantial amount of their debt. So interest rates going up is manageable for much of that marketplace. Then you've got the final section of the market, which is the first homeowner section of the market. These are new customers to the marketplace And for many new first home buyers, they have bought. When they bought recently, they also had the APRA guideline where what they could afford had to also take into consideration 3% more on the money they borrowed. So certainly maybe uh, a few people out there are starting to feel the pinch when it comes to mortgage costs. Uh, But for most of the market, it's still very, very manageable. We are not seeing mortgagee sales in any huge way at the moment. There are certainly a few out there, but for the most part, things are looking pretty good when it comes to real estate. 
Now, a real example is uh, what is occurring in different marketplaces. Like the clearance rate or days on market of the market is still very short. Like Sydney's like 35 days, Melbourne's like 35 days, Brisbane, something similar. What's happening for the real estate market is today when something is sold, there's not 20 buyers for it, but there's still three or four buyers for it. The auction clearance rates when you take out long weekends and things like that are still pretty good. Like you're seeing a clearance at 60, 65% most weekends, some still up to over 70%. Um, And obviously... 65% is kind of the benchmark of where auctions need to be for them to occur. And so we're seeing some uh, decent sales velocity when it comes to stock on market. Now, I've been busy. I'm doing all sorts of things at the moment. On top of that, I just helped my sister do a renovation on a property she bought about 10 years ago. Um, she bought it in a, a Gopnik suburb um, and she decided to sell it because the tenant in the Gopnik suburb was doing meth in the house. Um, she doesn't listen to me. I often find this with family. they they the hardest ones to convince that you know what you're talking about. But anyway, uh, she has done okay out of the investment. It was in one of the outer suburbs in Melbourne. She lives down in Adelaide. Uh, so we renovated the property, put it back on the market. We kicked out the uh, the meth head. And, you know, she rang me, I guess, three weeks into the sales campaign. We chose a local agent down there in the suburb for her. One of the best in the business down in that particular neighborhood. And... You know, three weeks in, she was she rang. She was very very nervous. She's like, "No one's buying the property," um, and you know, I was like, had to calm her down and show her the the days on market that Melbourne's trading at about 30, 35 days on market. That suburbs thirty thirty five days on market. Um, I said, "Well, look, you know, if it hasn't sold after sixty days, let's talk." Guess what happened on the. 29th day she got an offer she accepted it It was basically uh, the same as what she was looking to sell the property for and contract signed she settles mid-november deal done 30-day turnaround there wasn't 27 buyers there fighting to push the price up but there was enough buyers in the market for the price not to disappear and so that's what we're seeing in the marketplace there uh, is a lot of resilience out there with what is going to market. And in some respects, I think that with migration bouncing back, uh, that will certainly impact wage growth. Uh, the borders are open, migrants are returning. Places like Sydney and Melbourne are seeing migration patterns re- return. I actually think when it comes to a pick inside the real estate market, I'd be having a good look at the Melbourne market. Obviously, with the lockdown that unfolded, it didn't favour Victoria, it didn't favour Melbourne in particular, um, the way it was handled and so forth. We don't need to go into that. But fundamentally, like the resilient of the Melbourne market 
you know, it's it's gone down a little bit in value, but we are starting to see signs that potentially it's already reached its bottom. And with borders open and the numbers which are coming back into uh, Victoria, I think you'll start to see, again, the shortage of stock in Victoria versus the amount of people coming into the city start to push up the rents, which are a little bit under-rented in my view. And then when you look at where capital growth can form, obviously Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide had better capital growth during the pandemic, but almost that creates the opportunity for a place like Melbourne where the capital growth wasn't as rampant during the pandemic to revert to, uh, you know, catch up to what the growth was for other markets. So, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, a bit of opportunity in that market. I certainly am seeing it when I look and analyze real estate at a suburb level and then compare it to other suburbs of other cities. I'm like, okay, there's some pretty good value left in that marketplace. Like if your job is buying real estate now, you need to you're in a new cycle. You're not in the old cycle. So for, forget the old cycle. Um, you know, that has come and gone. You're in a new cycle. Your job is to buy real estate at a fair market price without overpaying for it. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that is to consider actually the Melbourne market. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, supply obviously has fallen off a cliff when it comes to stock being delivered to market. Even building approvals are a bit misleading because that is not what fundamentally gets delivered to market. And when we analyze, obviously, uh, fundamentally building approvals, they're very much down. You know, you could go back to the peak of, for example, the apartment market back in, say, 2014, 15. I mean, you were seeing approvals of 110,000 apartments in one year. Freaking bonkers, right? Now it's like 50,000. Will those 50,000 get built? Probably not uh, because, you know, first you've got, they've got to mathematically stack up as a development. Second, you've got to have, obviously, people who are willing to buy that stock um, obviously when things are, you know, the way they are, there's less buyers out there. So stock doesn't get created. Like it's, it's a perfect storm to be honest with you that is unfolding. And, you know, you got to understand, like you got to be invested to catch when things, uh, change. And though money costs more to rent from the bank with a migrant surge, with, obviously international students returning with still first home buyer incentives from the government with investors getting better yields with downsizers, you know, not having much stock to choose. Um, obviously where supply is diminishing and of course the rental market is accelerating. The actual fundamentals of the real estate market are actually really, really good. Um, all that needs to happen is the opinion of money needs to change. And, and this is why I think it's really important to hold on to your assets should the interest rates go down. When that happens, it's kind of like 
the start of the race and you want to have your assets in good order for that next starting point. I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, it's probable because of the oil cartel uh, playing with the price of crude at the moment by, um, you know, uh, basically restricting how much oil is allowed onto the market, um, that there probably will be another quarter of a percent before the end of the year. But, geez, you know, the idea of what Australia is trying to do, just to give you the business plan of the horseman being the Reserve Bank, they want to push it to the point where it slows the economy down, whereby it even has one quarter of economic decline without throwing it into recession. So you can imagine, right? So let's let let's talk about that GDP number we got 1%. If it was minus 1%, that would probably be the signal for the reserve to go, great, we did it. We slowed down the economy. Let's put back rates down. Then, of course, for many people, they will start to see confidence with that. And when people see confidence, they start to come back out. And of course, that means, you know, for a property like my sister's, she had kind of three people interested, one person put an offer, then all of a sudden, six people are interested, two people put in an offer. So that's what's going to unfold. Um, When that happens, uh, I, I don't know, but I don't think it's going to be five years away. That's for sure. But remember, your job is to keep up with what is going on. You've got to make 5%. How are you going to do it? That's break even. It's break even at the moment. If you're not making 5% per annum more than what you made last year, you're actually going backwards by 5% by virtue of what things actually are costing in society. So you have to play the game, right? We've got a booming, actually, national economy. It can absorb where the rates are at. Um, It does seem, according to the Reserve and their move from going from a half a percent rate increase to a quarter of a percent rate increase, that they are seeing the drivers of inflation easing. Um, Obviously, things change all the time, so we need to keep an eye on it. But certainly where I think we are at, things are starting to look like we are finding uh, where we need to be. And of course, um, that certainly looks good. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode of The Urban Property Investor. Thanks for tuning in to The Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of The Urban Property Investor,